Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Now, here are your hosts, Vicky and the Sixth Doctor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Colton Collective Podcast. Yes. Okay, there's lots of lots of chat going on already here uh, in the chat room. But first things first, Dave, you said you had some fudge. <laughs> no, I was I was <laughs> that's my not so subtle hint to uh, about spoilers. There are a lot of spoilers in the air at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> there's spoilers about. <laughs> oh dear. All right, let's see who else is about. Uh, joining us is Mr. Dar Skeptical. Hello, sir. Hello, good sir. How are you? Uh, you know, getting ho- hopefully getting above the weather soon. I'm still a little under the weather, but yeah, yeah, there. As long as I don't cough too much on this podcast, it'll be all right. Follow the follow the light in the time corridor. You'll get home safely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, anybody can go in a time corridor now. <laughs> Sorry. Except you're not strong enough because you're not a girl. Exactly. I'm not a mom. Anyway. It's a big girl's blouse. <laughs> oh, listen to you. All right, moving swiftly onwards. Logan has graced us with his presence. You got presents for me? <laughs> uh, no, no presents for you, but I am here to grace the show. So, Are you all Yay. graced yet? Oh, Grace. Yeah, we're going to write that down. That's another thing we can copy off uh, Logan with. Yeah. You got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Randall Thor is here. Hello, Mike. Hello, hello. <laughs> yes, I'm here. Yay! After, after being on a uh, certain Squid Lords podcast last night, I'm here today. I survived that. <laughs> oh. Did you have to drink to survive it? Mm, shenanigans went on. No shenanigans. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I hope you scrubbed off good. Anyway, moving on. The Seventh Doctor is also joining us. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. I hope you're feeling better, Ian. Yes, I'm actually, um, instead of my regular coffee, I'm actually drinking hot tang. Ooh. Yes. Hot tang. That's a little different. Yes. I like And how's that tang. tasting for you? Like hot orange. Good, good stuff. <laughs> yes, it's Tim. It's what the astronauts drink. Dang. Oh, it's, it's, it's it's um just 
I don't know what they have in the UK and in, in, in New Zealand. They used to have a thing called Raro. It was a powdered drink. You just, you know, you usually make up a whole jug of it or whatever. You just put the powder in and then water. And he said, I pop. So, yes, there we go. <laughs> now I'm cooking with Ian. Uh, and, of course, <laughs> that was the voice of Tim Jury. Hello, Tim. Mm. Hello, Ian. Glad you could be with us and unscathed so far. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's it's amazing what happens before the show, isn't it? It's, yeah, it it's is. a whole other world. It's worth worth showing up for. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You never know what kind of trouble you're going to get into without realizing it. <laughs> yeah, pity I wasn't recording actually. Yeah, I know. Uh, All right, let's everybody. Ooh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to I was going to say it, it's just as well none of my outtakes this from my own podcast this week didn't make it to the finished show because I. I took about three takes to put one bit of the intro together. And at one point I thought, maybe I should tag these on the end. And then I just got on with constructing the show. And then I went, no, nah, I won't bother. <laughs> That's why I always get drunk before intros. Except for this one. This oh, is the only, this is the only be, podcast. I'd be even worse if there was alcohol involved. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's everybody uh, above board. Now here's everybody under the cone. Control, new agent training program, section 3.5, the cone of silence. To activate, simply lower the cone and speak clearly. What? Do not overuse the cone of silence. What? Do not shout in the cone of silence. What? In fact, don't even use the cone of silence. What? It's never worked right. I don't know why we bought it in the first place. The portable cone of silence. What? Yes, and joining us under the cone today are... Carte Blanche... Claude, and the omnipresent, ever-present, Cybob. Hello, Cybob. Yay! And that wasn't me screaming, no, it was a small <laughs> I didn't know, sound like... <laughs> Just a small town, nothing to worry about. <gasps> Alright, only one more person to introduce, and that's the typing monkey, that means it's news time! Oh, somebody say something. Go, go typing, typing monkey, monkey. go. Come on, Charlie P, we need you. What? 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 Yeah, jeez. <laughs> Never around when you need him. He's probably off planning another quiz. All right, it's news time. So, Tim, you have some news. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be deliberately vague with this, not wishing to anger anybody listening that's spoiler sensitive. So, I'm going to post a link in chat. If you don't like being spoiled about being human, don't click on this link. All I'll say is that the name of an upcoming regular character has been revealed. And there's a clip. And if you follow the link, you can see the clip, which even I haven't watched yet. Which must say something about me wanting to save the surprises on being human. But uh, equally, I think it is another indicator that being human can't be that far off uh, airing now. Uh, because uh, we're coming up on Actually, I'd be, SFX. I'd be, I'd be willing to lower the spoiler zone for this, because there's some things I would like to discuss about being human. Uh, so if there's well, anybody uh, present in the room who uh, wishes to... Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work out how, how vague I can be without... Mm, what can I say? Well, let's, let, um, let, 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 let's put the spoiler spoiler let, alert up, and uh, we'll, we'll, then we'll, we'll talk say, about it. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yes. I think... I think this is the new vampire. 
And that's all I'm prepared to say because I don't want to tread in any more toes today. Right. I've already got a raised heart level, and that's not good for me. But um, well, I, I, yeah, sorry, continue on the, with the show. This, and, this and show's in the, the middle of a um, a cast juggle that mm. uh, a lot of people are suspecting means that this might be the last series, which wouldn't be a bad thing because by the end of this series, they'll only. I don't want to say to, but this is what. Let's just say there won't be many people left from the original lineup. That's, that's the yeah. fairest way of saying it. And well, anyway, anyway, I was going to say the the reason I think transmission can't be too far off is that um, SFX Weekender that uh, I almost didn't get to because they sold out all the accommodation uh, related tickets. And so I have wangled myself a hotel room right near the venue and managed to buy a second-hand ticket off someone. It's a VIP ticket. It wouldn't allow me to jump a lot of queues. But um, Toby Whithouse, the creator and writer of uh, Being Human, uh, is uh, representing the show at SFX Weekender. And so he'll either be able to announce when it's showing, or by then it will have started anyway. Either way, he's clearly up for publicising it. Alrighty. Um, so I wanted to, to, to just kind of throw out a few things on, on, on the being human, which is why I wanted to put up the spoiler alerts. Is, um, for those of you who want to know, uh, and listen up, for those of you who don't, take your headphones off now, and I will put into text chat when you can come back. Um, all those listen to after, just jog ahead about two minutes. Um, there is a major cast shake-up. Of course, uh, uh, at the end of last season, um, um, what's his name? Aiden, Aiden, Aiden left. Um, mm. But uh, uh, all, basically all the main cast have, have either left or are leaving. Um, and uh, I, I think Annie's the only one who will be left by the end of the mm. the series? Um, of course, they're they're bringing in uh, well, the werewolf. I, I I don't want to go into too much details about what's on that website link, right? But let's just say it's a nice BBC designed website. There are photographs on that page. Mm. It's very telling the way they've designed the layout of that site photographically. Right. Yeah. There's that, that the main photo in the cafe, right? There's, there's there's a main photo of of a uh, group of the characters in the cafe, and without saying which one of them's leaving, the one of them that's leaving is noticeably on the right of your screen on your computer screen as you look yeah. at that website. Yeah. There you go. I've managed to not even mention whether yes. they're male or female. Well, that's why I said Stop. there's a spoiler alert. <laughs> you can you can well, see. You see, you see, I'm 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 talking around this because I don't want to tread on people's toes. Because although I know Darth's not keen on he, he being human at all, I, I do know that it does have a strong fandom, and people that blog about it and uh, get to visit the set and find, uh, ironically, find out a lot of stuff that some fans would rather not know anyway. Yeah, and, I think we've the, given and one of the reasons I'm being so cagey is that unlike Doctor Who, I'm actually quite happy I don't know stuff about this because there are only like eight episodes, and I'd sooner know as little as possible. 
because it does make it more exciting. Yep. All right. I think we've had enough of that, and we will uh, move on. Dave, you have some news. Yeah, and this is courtesy of the uh, Doctor Who News dot net site. That's www.doctorwhonews or one word dot net. Uh, missing radio script discovered, which uh, 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 this actually, uh, I was listening to uh, Staggering Stories and uh, they do predictions. And one of the predictions uh, sent in on uh, to their show was from Benjamin Elliott. And I think one of his predictions, and he mentioned it, of course, first on the Colton Collective, that now with the, the uh, higher profile of uh, Doctor Who and with the things like Facebook and the Internet and so on, there were more and more chances that we would end the dry spell of new Doctor Who being discovered. Uh, indeed, of course, we had those two episodes uh, that were talked about a few weeks back. This isn't a TV episode. It's a radio script discovered. And I'll just read a little bit of it because I would rather you actually go to the site. The whole long URL for it is um, .2news.net forward slash 2012 forward slash 01 for January and then missing radio script so it may be down the page by the time you find it uh, long lost radio script for an episode of a proposed Doctor Who radio series to be made in the late 60s and starring Peter Cushing as the Doctor has been discovered in the BBC archives uh, Journey into Time was written by Malcolm Hulk uh, and uh, I'll leave Tim to mention more about that but uh, it does seem exciting and it may well mean that uh, they will find more things. doesn't really say much about what will happen with it, but there's some nice uh, pictures about it there. A lovely picture of Peter Cushing in uh, Dressed as the Doctor. But you were commenting just before we started recording, Tim, about uh, about the fact that it was written by Malcolm Hulk. Uh, yes, um, well, Invasion of the Dinosaurs uh, DVD that came out Early this week, and I was watching this afternoon, uh, was written by uh, Malcolm Hulk, and that whole season was put together at a time when Barry Letts and Terence Dix were themselves busy on another project because they wrote uh, a short lived um, series about there being a base on the moon called Moon Base 3, which later went on to be wiped by the BBC and everybody thought would never show up again and a few years back uh, a story did the rounds oh Moonbase 3 has been found of course all us Doctor Who fans said oh they found the Moonbase episode 3 no they found the whole of um, Barry Letts and Terence Dix's previously lost early 70s um, sci-fi show well I can't remember if it was really sci-fi it's more kind of science as such, it's kind of like futuristic rather than sci-fi as such but um, yeah, so they needed a, a team of reliable writers for that series of Doctor Who because they wouldn't be on hand quite so much to nurse made it or deal with any problems and so they picked people like um, Malcolm Holt because they knew he'd just be able to get on with it once he'd come up with a good script and so yeah, it kind of seems very appropriate that um, a, a previously lost bit of Malcolm Holt work has uh, shown up, and that would be interesting to see if uh, whether Big Finish are interested uh, in it, because they seem to uh, have taken up the reins of uh, making 
were producing previously lost work uh, with uh, the the previously unmade ideas for at very least for season 27 having come out in the past few months and uh, there's also a couple of uh, unmade Tom Baker stories have now been made by them as audios oh and in, incidentally the, the Tom Baker big finishes are now starting to come out on the, the first one uh, I think it's called Project Nerva uh, was out this week and I listened to yesterday and it's very good uh, right, I'm uh, sure Darth Dar- will be pleased to hear is is much better than any of the the audio go ones. Right, and and just to mention by the way, um, a couple of things really, if I, I I can briefly find them. First of all, one more paragraph from this uh, news item, the link of which I put in the text. Uh, the series was rejected by the BBC with Martin Eslin, I think, uh, head of sound drama at the time, saying. Uh, as a typical commercial production for unsophisticated listeners in Australia, and even parts of the United States. That's a bit of a naughty thing to say. It stands up quite well. As a piece of science fiction, however, it strikes me as extremely feeble, which is uh, absolutely um, rather strange, isn't it? And um, the other thing is, um, I was, if I could just very quickly... um, Go back to my, uh, this is sort of news in a way, because it was something that I noticed uh, that was on uh, a BBC um, uh, time shift series, Party 11. It was called The Rules of Drinking. It's a a sort of history programme showing old footage. And um, I was watching this and, uh, you know, uh, Tim, you might not know this, but when you're watching a programme and suddenly somebody you didn't know was going to be in the programme is suddenly in it. It's quite a nice surprise. <laughs> um, yeah, no, was watching this and Tom Baker uh, suddenly came into it. So this is Tom Baker, and it looks like it's just after he left Doctor Who. Might have been uh, 1981. I, I thought it was in the 70s before because his hair is cut short, and maybe just about the time he was going to play, I was playing for that Sherlock. So this is a 30-second clip of Tom Baker caught on this documentary in a pub. If I arrive at the Coach and Horses at 12 and not 11, Tom Baker tells me that I'm late for work. But I think that most people lead lives of such annihilating boredom. They're so paralysed by the awfulness of life. But being in an alehouse, drinking with a few acquaintances and talking a load of rubbish half the time is a tremendous relief. Well, it's marginally less worse than not being, Yeah. I mean, most people actually are bored out of their minds, aren't they? <laughs> He'd be very welcome here. Uh, doesn't he sound posh? It's amazing how posh he sounds there, isn't it? Mm. Um, so um, that that is, um, I think it was on uh, BBC Four, and the series is called Time Shift. And this was Series Eleven, Part Eleven: The Rules of Drinking, uh, which you have that small clip. That's the second documentary that Tom Baker has been. Uh, you know, footage has been released of him recently. There was one where he went on a trip to Northern Ireland, I think, that we mentioned a number of weeks back. And one more thing, not really news, but um, I think I'd like to make the Colton Collective aware of it. And it's a thank you to uh, Philip Serona, I can never pronounce his second name, of course, of Adventures in Time 
Space and Music podcast just to say that he did a, a very great favour for lots of podcasters because he compiled a sort of compilation of Merry Christmas messages for 2012. So the um, episode you want is on page three of his Adventures in Time and Space. I'll put the link up very quickly here. Uh, and it's Merry Christmas 2011, the Adventures in Time, Space and Music Holiday Special. And you'll find Mike, Ian and myself, Dave AC, with our little contribution that went into that. As I'm getting a little bit of audio. Oh, it's Mr. Benjamin Elliott. So yes. that's excellent timing. He may even have some news for us. But um, that's all the news from yeah. me. Okay. Benjamin, welcome to the room. Or welcome not to the room, whichever you prefer. Well, if oh, I was going to say you could put in text, but he's not actually in the room. He's just on audio. I'm in the that's room. Who, there he uh, is. Ah. Hey. Alan, you can hear me? Yes, we can hear you now. Because according to TalkShoe, I am muted, and I'm in the pro, but blocked from chatting. Can you hear us? Well, no, that's all, that's text chat, not... Uh, you're actually shown as not in the room. Well, I'm shown as in the room and blocked on my end. Well, well, then I suggest that you have to restart your pro because it must have locked up at your end. Okay, You're not I'm showing anything in. But uh, have you got any news, this son? Well, um... Uh, ah, I now heard you've something in. interesting about The Lost Girl over the weekend. Uh, the Lo- Lost Girl is having its U.S. premiere on, t- <coughs> on Sci-Fi Channel this Monday after the season premiere of U.S. Being Human. And, you know, Lost Girls been airing in a number of countries, Canada, Australia. I think the second season just began in the U.K. And it's a story about a girl who learns one day that she's a succubus. haven't gotten to see it yet, but I've heard enough similarities to the better episodes of Hex that um, I'm interested in, my wife's interested in it. But, um, okay, if you've... Uh, if you, if you've seen the show, apparently Sci-Fi has bought the first season. It'll be airing at 10 p.m. Eastern and a number of repeat times. And over the weekend, uh, one person I know, I won't say her name, but um, one person I know gets access to video-on-demand feeds before they go live to various cable companies for various reasons. And this person had seen the original version of Lost Girl and saw the um, the video-on-demand feed that got sent over for the premiere over the weekend is missing a minute. So it's not a big surprise that sci-fi would tend to edit an imported show that might be longer for the broadcast version, but the on-demand version might be edited as well. And it means we don't know what version will show up on iTunes and other stuff. So it's possible that the legitimate... Who knows when the full versions will be available by legitimate means. Yeah. I think we're a bit spoiled BBC America, where even though they'll slash up the version on the broadcast, they'll put full versions up and on demand and up for sale almost immediately. So... If you like Lost Girl, it's on tomorrow, and it may be cut. 
<laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard of it. Well, it's, it's been airing quietly for a number of months in various parts of the world. I think in the UK, Sci-Fi UK is already airing the second season. I'm going to have to look, look up what it's oh, about. I'll, find some, I'll check IMDb. If, I, I've been trying to wait till it aired to find out too much about it, but... Alrighty. Plus, Sci-Fi Channel hasn't been good about airing international shows in the last couple of years, so mm. just getting something that's not one of their domestic products is interesting. Okay. Alrighty. Um, it's starring an Anna, stars Anna Silk. It was created by Showcase in the U.K., and they're on to the 14th episode in their second season. All right, so that means, well, according to this, it looks like, uh, okay, Lost Girl focuses on the gorgeous and charismatic bow, a supernatural being called a succubus who feeds on the energy of humans, sometimes with fatal results. Refusing to embrace her supernatural clan system and its rigid hierarchy, Bo is a renegade who takes up the fight for the underdog, while searching for the truth about her own mysterious origins. Apparently, the first season began in September of 2010 in Kansas. Excellent. So. Alrighty. Thank you very much, Mr. Elliot. Okay. Alrighty. Uh, just a couple of small bits to note. That was my dog. Um, that was one of the bits to note. Uh, it's... Uh, David actually mentioned before the show started that it was somebody's birthday, um, but it's also Richard Franklin's birthday. He's 76 today. Isn't it oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The um, the chap I was talking about, um, James Nesbitt, 47 today. Yes. And also another thing I found while I was perusing the Doctor Who news website um, is, uh, and also we had mentioned an invasion of the dinosaurs was being released, um, on the DVD, there's uh, a bit of a story about the first Smith, or the Sarah Jane Smith who never was. So that's something to look out for. Uh, it's, uh, I, I guess apparently it was long known that uh, Elizabeth Slayton was not the first choice uh, of actress to play the role of Sarah Jane Smith. Uh, but for years, I guess the identity of the original actress had remained a closed secret. Um, but I guess they do make mention of it on the DVD release. So, yeah, that's something to look out for. The, the, um, you know, the, the fascinating thing about that, though, is it's this is a different case to, uh, you know, uh, Bernard Cribbins, for instance. He he might have been the fourth Doctor. That was an audition thing. It was, a you know, considering casting him. This other case of April Walker is her name. She's, she's a relatively famous actor, actually. Um, it is different because... She was cast. She was contracted. And that meant that when um, Barry Letts decided to fire her, he still had to pay her. So she got paid for the entirety of season 11, and that's how this was eventually discovered, because the guy who was writing the infotext uh, on the DVD found a miscellaneous payslip uh, for uh, April Walker, and that's what led him. You know, that was the paper trail. Uh -huh. So 
that's what's fascinating to me is this is not a case of just, oh, this person might have been Sarah Jane. She was Sarah Jane. And the whole deal was that Barry Letts did not involve John Pertwee in the selection process. And Pertwee just didn't like her, flat out didn't like her. And that's why she got fired, essentially. And that's also why you have this, this famous story that's been told over and over and over again by Elizabeth Sladen about how she got cast and the, the notion that uh, Barry Letts had to call down Pertwee to take he a look at her. In. Yeah. And, and, you know, he gave her literally the thumbs up to Barry Letts. Well, the whole reason that happened is because Barry Letts didn't do that the first time. Because uh, I, I, I do recall that story that she, she says of, like, you know, of John coming in and going to give it her the once over. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. Yes. And I put a link of that story in the uh, text chat for those people on the call. Again, that's from DoctorNews.net. I don't know who wrote the infotext on on Envision. David Brunt. Okay. David asking if it was my friend Paul. (laughs) No, but maybe Paul Schoons knows David Brunt, and maybe you could finagle an interview, because that would be... It's a fascinating case of detective work, it sounds like. Hmm. I might have to do that. Hmm. Well, hopefully, Ian, you, you were going to arrange a little... Interview, yes, we, we do. We do actually have like two more interviews because uh, Paul was also uh, he's he's writing a uh, a book about uh, Doctor Who in the comics, um, and also he was one of the people responsible for finding um, the lion. The lion. Um, basically, two friends of mine from back in New Zealand were were responsible for for returning the lion to the BBC. Mm. And I half, I half promised that hopefully you would find a, a small segment to pass on to uh, Podshock as well for them to, like you did last time, in fact, mm. you know, yeah. where you did a little bit for them as well. Yeah. Well, because the, the, uh, I know we're rambling, but uh, the, the, when I originally engaged Paul to do interviews, it was actually before we started doing this show. and uh, And so... Uh, the intention was for me to, to 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 come up with some good interview material for Podjock originally, and uh, it's only now that we've got around to being able to, you know, uh, to get him involved. So I've been sharing the uh, interviews with with, with Podjock. So, yes, I think that that wraps it up for news. Uh, yeah, I think it does. Um, well, I find my next clip. Uh, <laughs> There's only one more thing to do before I hand the show over to Dave and go scarper off and get some coffee. And that is to tell everybody how to get involved in the next Cosmic Collective podcast. In case you didn't know, here's Andy. If you enjoy listening, why not join the Collective and participate yourself? We're on TalkShoe. Call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling time before dialing in. If you have a SIP client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the Shoe Phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Thank you very much, Andy. Wish he'd come back. I miss Andy. He's awfully busy doing his... His, his other things. So, uh, sorry, Dave, you've got breaking news. 
Well, just looking at the Doctor Who news, I was just going to get the link for Benjamin, who asked, had we mentioned about the radio script? And I was looking for the clip and refreshed the page. And there is uh, first Tom Baker titles from Big Finish released. The first Big Finish title starring Tom Baker as the fourth Doctor have been released. Now people might be thinking, oh, hang on a minute, he's done Audio Ventures. Uh, the, uh, the, was it the Wasps Nests uh, series? But of course they were for the BBC, not for Big Finish, I think. So um, there's uh, Destination Nerva, uh, two-part story by Nicholas Briggs. Uh, I won't say what it is, um, and I won't say who's in it. Uh, and also is available uh, Doctor Who The Lost Stories the fourth Doctor box set but if you go to the uh, again the Doctor Who News dot net it's uh, first Tom Baker titles uh, page and you can check that so um, yes it was the um, the the series that recently by the way I also mentioned on this show that uh, the BBC um, I think it was Radio 4 Extra had, uh, had been uh, replaying those four stories um, uh, of the the fourth Doctor, and it also had uh, Captain Yates in that uh, uh, series, and they were until recently on the Radio Four Extra site, and that of course is not region locked. Okay, uh, just before we get to the t- topic proper, uh, should also mention uh, for people who were. Um, who have been checking that every now and again on the we have a, a Twitter account for Cultum and non-surprisingly it's called Cultum um, I did put uh, for people may want to listen of course prior to this which is difficult if you're hearing the information now but um, just to remind people that way back on the 10th of the 10th and for Ian's sake 2010 so it wasn't the 10th of the 10th of the 10th uh, on episode 67, uh, we did an episode called Top 10 Doctor Who Companions, and where we talk about um, the companions really prior to uh, Amy and Rory really coming properly on the scene. So that is definitely worth a listen back. And um, I've got a message from Facebook for Ian, from mm. Craig, which says, tell Ian to go easy on Amy. And uh, one more message from our Torture page. Remember, if you are sorry on Facebook page, if you are on Facebook, we have a uh, Cultural Collective page. And from Kathy O'Keefe, um, we, you will not be surprised to hear this, us talking makes her paint dry. Yes, at the moment she's renovating a house and doing lots of painting, listening to our podcast while she's painting. So the more Ian talks, the more her paint dries. And she's like, nice, <laughs> nice, <laughs> nice long topics from us. She wants us to go three hours and plus. I there doubt if we'll do that today, but we will see. So if everybody's sitting comfortably. Well, really quick, uh, Logan, you had just announced some breaking news. And uh, um, also you're okay. going to be discussing it on your show. So if you wouldn't mind uh, uh, announcing that and announcing your show tonight. Well, actually... Uh, I've just been checking some of the internet sites I check, and I'm, as everyone knows, I'm a huge fan of Green Lantern. And back in November, the Cartoon Network came out with a Green Lantern animated series pilot. Uh, most of the fans who saw it loved it. And Darth and I have talked about this on Media Outsiders a couple of times about the show. 
Well, the new episodes, and that was only a, a preview show that came out in November. The actual series returns to the Cartoon Network this March. It doesn't give an exact date. Uh, normally, it aired on a Friday, so I'm assuming it's going to be a Friday again. But they will be coming back with half-hour episodes, and one of the uh, characters that will be on there will be the Star Sapphire Corps will be on it. There are some photos available on comicbooknews.com for that. So, And we'll be talking about that tonight on the Media Outsiders. And I invite everyone to join us there. Dave and Ian are frequent uh, contributors there. Drunk or drunk, most of the time. Or like to say. And we love them. We love them for it. <laughs> but that is call ID 81865, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 o'clock Central. And we cover all aspects of media, video games, movies, television, you name it, we cover it. So I encourage everyone to join us tonight. Yeah, and we'll probably be doing it in about six weeks or so. Um, yeah. yeah and- just just so Joe, everybody's aware, uh, we're the uh, Seth MacFarlane to uh, uh, to <laughs> to Logan Simpsons. Yeah, pretty pretty much anything that uh anything I do, they normally cover here on the Colton Collective. Yeah. About a month later. Yeah. So we we we, we steal and we don't, we're we're not ashamed. And I always look at it this way: that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. So. Yeah. Imitation <laughs> is the greatest form of flattery. Yeah. Or thievery, one or the other. Yeah. Exactly. Ooh. <laughs> All right, Dave. Let's move on with the show. Move along. Move along. Okay, well, let, let me very briefly before we we'll be going to Tim first because of time constraints. Um, just putting a couple of links in the room from Wikipedia, uh, one for uh, Amy and one for Rory. And just in case you um, you want a little bit of a refresher of uh, when uh, this all started, uh, I'll put in a link for the eleventh hour. Yes, the topic today is pondering the ponds. Basically, when we were doing last week's show, we were there were some uh, thoughts among the collective that, um, in in many ways, we thought that um, the Rory and Amy story could easily have already been uh, come to a, a fitting end with the the Doctor having ensconced them in a house and given Rory a car and uh, and when and I hope this isn't too much of a spoiler, but when people watched the Christmas special. We we found that although um, they didn't have a major parts in it, uh, both Rory and Amy were featured in the Christmas special, and it is uh, of uh, news that both of them will be in the upcoming series. That of course we've got a a long six or seven month wait to start. Uh, whether they will be in it for any length of time, or whether it will be phased out, or whether they will get to the series finale, or whatever. We don't really want to speculate too much on that. Just enough to say that there there appears to be more to tell in the Pond story. But uh, for many of us um, who may argue, and I'm one of those people, I, I would be quite happy if their story had now come to an end. So basically what we're going to do is uh, look back over some of their highlights, going back to um, the 11th hour, and in no particular order you can talk uh, and jump about as much as you want, timey-wimey and all that. Uh, some of the high points, anything that has put you off, how, how characters have grown on you, or perhaps you've changed your allegiance with different ones. I will try and play a few little clips. Hopefully, uh, if I can remember and identify which episode they came from, I will. Otherwise, there'll be five points bonuses all the way through the show because I've uh, had to uh, gather 
clips from uh, all through their appearances. Just one more, a couple of reminders, of course, that the Amy Pong character was played by two actresses, Karen Gillan, of course, playing the grown-up Amy Pond, but we have the um, the young Amelia, as she was called, upon, played by Caitlin Blackwood, who I believe, and this isn't a spoiler, Caitlin has uh, just been announced to be one of the guests at um, the um, San Francisco, uh, not San, yeah, the um, the next Doctor Who, what's it called, Catch 23 this time, um, the uh, and she will actually be now, after Tommy Knight, uh, she's younger than Tommy Knight, so she will be the youngest ever guest yeah. at the uh, Gallery, that's it. It's, it's Gall- Gallifrey One's Network 23, Dave. Ah, well done. Thank which, you for that. Which you... I, I'm, I'm, I'm dodging this year, but we'll have decided to go to the next couple, maybe. <laughs> okay. It's, it's, well, it's to- to- torture month for me next month. <laughs> it will be telling me how much fun they're having. Okay. Now, I'm going to play a, a few very brief clips, and they are very brief because... Uh, I, they're not really clips of the young Amelia. They're just to remind you of how it started off when uh, the doctor arrived at her house. So these are just three funny clips, and then we'll go to uh, Tim to carry on the humour. Are you trying to poison me? It's not my fault. Why can't you give me any decent food? You're Scottish. Fry something. You know when grown-ups tell you everything's going to be fine, and you think they're probably lying to make you feel better? Yeah. <laughs> Everything's going to be fine. Okay, everything's going to be fine because we're going to go to Tim. Uh, Tim, if you have a favourite belongs the two, if you have favourite parts, any memories, uh, and when you come to the end of your bit, if you want to mention about whether you feel as though their time should be up, they should have had their number nine come in, or whether you're quite happy to see more about them. Take it away. Uh, well, uh, they both came in at the start of a a new era for the show uh russell t davis and his team of people uh his regular writers and directors had all uh stopped working on the show and stephen moffat came in with his uh new production techniques and bringing in new methods of making the show and uh so we had this kind of like reboot with a new doctor and two new companions initially it was just Amy, who I've never disliked as much as some people seem to in fandom. I've never had anything against her. I think uh, the main thing some people seem to have against her is that she shares screen time with Arthur Darville, who's clearly a better actor. And that's fair enough. The quality of actors vary in a lot of shows. And I'll freely admit she's possibly slightly younger less experience, maybe had less um, time in the industry and has not um, learnt through experience but to me she, she, she's not a rubbish actor, she's a perfectly serviceable actor at playing the role and um, I'll, I'll chip in early on that she clearly proved herself in the past few months in The Girl Who Waited when that was a very good performance, she was put at the centre of the show and she proved that give, given given a challenge in terms of acting, she can pull up to the plate and do it. But um, no, two uh, very interesting characters. You have Amy, who's clearly the sort of stronger, pushier um, 
it could be said more selfish of the two, uh, who we first met as a child, played by Caitlin Blackwood, who's um, clearly being, I'd hope, well looked after by her parents and her agent, uh, but is currently the youngest person doing the rounds of any conventions, which is a little odd because they don't have you have someone who's not got a huge amount of acting experience behind them and hadn't acted at all before they were picked to be uh, in the 11th hour and um, presumably is slowly building up a a child acting career now and um, choosing to do Doctor Who conventions, even ones on the other side of the Atlantic, which is a bit of a surprise, really, all that travel at at, at that young age. But... um, no, um, they're, they're, they're a good couple of characters, and as I say, in the first season, it was mostly Amy with the Doctor, and then uh, in the season we've just had, we had uh, both of them more. And, well, I mean, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm not of the view that I prefer one to the other, really. We, Amy's had probably more screen time on the whole than uh, Rory uh, and but Rory, they both have their valid roles in the show uh, I didn't overly miss them at Christmas because they did have a small appearance in the Christmas special but equally even that wasn't necessarily needed but at the same time uh, I will miss them because they're 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 part of what makes the show good at the moment. You have two people who uh, have got to know the Doctor and um, have a particular view on him, and clearly um, love the guy because uh, there's that scene in the Christmas special where he's been having a whole adventure with someone else for uh, what well, what amounts to several days, I guess, but in in our terms is an hour of television. And then when he comes back to uh, our time and goes to them at Christmas, he's all kind of, oh, yeah, well, how long is it? Because as as usual, he's kind of got the TARDIS back where it should be, but not necessarily when it should be. And Amy looks at him and says, two years? (laughs) And Amy says, well, I'm not going to hug first. And the Doctor's going, well, I'm not going to hug first. And they kind of like this wonderful piece of timing where they kind of like hug each other. And, of course, in the wonderful way these things are uh, are timed visually, that is the very moment that Rory then appears and realises who's at the door. But, um, yeah, I mean, all that stuff about we, we always set a place for you. And I get the feeling that wasn't just at Christmas. That was just generally... They'd make sure there was enough food. They'd set a place for the doctor in case that was the one day he he um, finally shows up. But um, no, I, I'm I'm not. I, I think I'm of the view that the the show will will be all the poorer without them. But equally, it's a very well written show. Uh, Stephen Moffat's clearly good at creating companion characters, and so I trust him to come up with someone. Uh, next, who who's who's uh, just as interesting. Uh, it will be interesting to see if they go down the the route 
of picking two relatively unknown actors or, or one unknown actor. Well, they're, they're saying it will be one person. And so whether they'll go down that route and, and, and pick someone that's known and various people in fandom are touting already people who they'd want to be in the show and the, the the name that people keep suggesting that's in the show is Miranda Hart who'd make quite an interesting Doctor Who companion um, but um, no I, I don't know it remains to be seen there's, there's various actors and there's various lists doing the rounds of who people would want to be in the show and Judging on what happened before we started recording tonight, I, I, I will not remotely start speculating because you never know, I might be unlucky enough to be right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the, the situation certainly exists over the years a lot where, and you can go back to the classic series where you watch other TV shows and you notice really good actresses in, in it, or to use the old term, but really good actors who you think they'd be good as a companion in Doctor Who because they're they're a bit different to what they normally have in Doctor Who. And so an example that um, someone brought up back in the 80s was um, Tessa Peake Jones in um, Only Fools and Horses who played um, Bill's girlfriend Raquel. Uh, no, not Raquel. Am I getting confused now? I probably am. But... Um, Anyway, played Dell's girlfriend, and um, people said she's the sort of person they should have in Doctor Who because she's clearly good at playing strong characters, and it, a bit like how we had when Catherine Tate was in Doctor Who, you have someone who stands up to the Doctor a bit, and when he does stuff, turns around and says, "Well, why are you doing that? And why should you be doing that? And maybe you, you're exerting too much power here, or should be doing something different." So, um, yeah, it will be interesting to see what route they go down now. And it will be even more interesting to see how uh, much or little the, the Ponds play uh, in in the next series of Doctor Who, which we're, we're not going to see for several months now. Uh, from what I can tell, it will be late August at the earliest, assuming that they choose a, a similar autumn launch date as we had recently. And um, so, yeah, um, I'll be interested to see where they take the role of companion next. And there's there's infinite possibilities. There's lots of things they've never done with uh, the companion. There's not been many ethnic minority companions, so that's a route they could go down. They've never had a gay companion. There's 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 all sorts of things they've not for. Very often had um, uh, a single male companion. On, uh, but whether they'll go down that route, I out seems kind of unlikely. But um, I'm rambling a bit now, so <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna let other people on with more who've more focused brains uh, take up the reins, and uh, I'll drop off and watch one of those actresses who's uh, uh, about to show up in a drama on BBC One. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, I'll play a couple of short clips and then hopefully um, Benjamin will be okay to go. Um, this is just <clears throat> little clips where 
at least Rory and Amy are in the conversation. Uh, apologies for not getting them more constructed than that. Uh, here's a, a clip from uh, uh, Victory, um, uh, Victory of the Daleks, I think it is, hopefully. Cross his fingers. I have to know. We go together. Say, you're my daughter. What? Don't listen to it. Your no. daughter? You look about nine. Brother, then. Too weird. Fiancé. Uh, I'm not having him run around telling people he's your fiancé. No. No, you're right. Thank you. I mean, they've already seen the doctor. You should do it. <laughs> Me? Yeah. You can be my brother. Why is him being your brother weird? But with me, it's okay. Yeah, of course, it's vampires. Of uh, what, what happens is some of these clips, I just use initials. <clears throat> so anyway, then that's from uh, Vampires of uh, Venice. Uh, so let me play a little clip from uh, the Angels story that preceded that, um, and uh, then we'll go to Benjamin. I love museums. Yeah, great. Can we go to a planet now? Big spaceship, Churchill's bunker. You want to see a planet next? Amy, this isn't any old asteroid. It's the Delirium Archive, the final resting place of the headless monks. The biggest museum ever. You've got a time machine. What do you need museums for? Wrong! Very wrong. Oh, what a mine. Also, what a mine. Oh, I see. It's how you keep score. Okay, uh, Benjamin, are you okay to go? Yes, I am. And I only just realized there that that was an early reference to the Headless Monks. Mm. Who we have seen in Series yes. 6. Wow, yes. Interesting. That's not one that's been heavily advertised like some of the others, but it's a reminder of a bit of Moffat's um, wibbly-wobbly storytelling approach. Yeah, laying little, uh, little seeds. And little details that he might or might not get back to, and he happens to have been able to get back to them. And that's nice. Personally, I've enjoyed all the ponds so far. Um, does River Song count as a pond? Or is it just the baby or the early versions of her that counts as a pond? Very good question indeed. I hadn't thought that we would include her in this one. Yeah, it's a legitimate, uh, legitimate approach, certainly. It wasn't the direction I was actually going to go in, but <laughs> that might be one for a second go-round. But um, I remember watching an, the watching the 11th hour and thinking, gosh, I wish we were getting some episodes with Caitlin Blackwood as the companion. Because I really, really liked her. Now... I've liked Karen Galan as well, but you know that takes a little bit, little bit longer. I think when you're a little kid, you have a certain ability to charm people, which can also be a necessary survival instinct. And she she used that well. Mm. And you, it's really, yeah, you know, that was just a really good episode overall. Even people who've been critical about the era typically like the eleventh hour. But what I've noticed is Moffat has been giving us a tapestry of Amy Pond's life. We've been seeing the life in various phases from age seven up to wherever she is now, bearing in mind that we just had yet another two-year time gap in the Christmas special. And 
given what he's done before with the Madame de Pompadour and the like, my guess is that I think that the way I think the Doctor is sort of seeing Amy mostly linearly but on a bit of a fast forward. This was shown to extremes in The Girl Who Waited. But whether the Doctor wants to or not, he seems just instinctively to be jumping through her life. And I think the way we might lose Amy is that Doctor might just feel, oh, drat, he's already gone to the end. That we might perhaps see alternate versions of older Amy and older Rory in the next season. And just like, (laughs) and suddenly the Doctor is too late, gone too far. Sort of like he did with the Brigadier in the most recent season. So, that's my my personal theory on Amy's future in the show. Uh, Any other standout things? I mean, uh, I remember we were all talking a long time back about, uh, you know, the... uh, and I think it might even be new Benjamin that brought it, that uh, Rory was the Kenny of Doctor Who. I think it was you that quoted that line. And definitely, there's definitely bits of Kenny to Rory. Though. You know, that he keeps, he dies every week, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they just, in a way, I think it just came across like a good running joke to them. Uh, yeah. It just... Also, Stephen Moffat's had this allergy to killing people off in a way. Like, like if if they die, it's natural causes, or it's a way where they could come back. Or... Right. Can Can you remember, uh, Benjamin? Before we 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 move on to well, some clips, and then hopefully on to Darth. Um, I remember when I watched Eleventh Hour, it didn't look as though Rory actually was going to be a companion. It was as look as though that. Uh, Amy was the sort of chosen one and so on and that. Yeah. I mean, was it actually, uh, as Stephen Moffat actually said, that it, it was always planned that he would become a companion? Or it was just the reception that the character got that his part was expanded more and more? I do not know that information. Well, I, I know that he plotted out the season. I don't know if Rory would have made it to Series 6, but certainly the way... The way they filmed everything, it, they clearly they filmed the stories with Rory and them essentially back to back. So they filmed stuff without Rory first and without Rory last. So I would assume that the intention was to have Rory as a major player that season. Though he was mentioned, he wasn't mentioned much before the series began. I, I know we'd heard the name before Eleventh Hour, and the implication was that there would be this character called Rory. Though the whole engagement thing was a little surprise right to the end of the episode when you, you know, you're watching it and you have the reveal of the wedding dress right to the end. Oh, yeah. Now, I'm sure some spoilers got out ahead of time, but I think the intention was that we knew that Rory could be a recurring character. I think we also thought that Jeff was going to be a recurring character the way they set up that episode, both Rory and Jeff seem to be potentials. You know, Jeff, who uh, needed to uh, clean his e- internet history better. 
Right. But right. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think Rory was sort of a stealth character. So, and I, this year he's not a stealth character. This year he's been much more of a major player. And I, I think that's a good thing. Right. But, yeah, it was just it was just it appeared as though he's just going to be her love interest, wasn't it? A little bit like uh, Rose had uh, Mickey uh, and left Mickey to go off with the doctor. It, it, they looked as though they were playing out the same scenario. Um and uh, I, I'm not even sure when Rory's name actually started appearing in the credits because as everybody Christmas knows here, it was Christmas Chris- Carol, was it? Yeah, Christmas Carol was his first time in the credits. He I would say he was definitely a companion character as a vampire as a Venice. That's when they started treating him like one. And then, obviously, he was killed off in cold blood and then brought back in the final two-parter. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, well, let me play a couple of more clips. Um, and I think these are from Amy's Choice and then hopefully we'll go to Darth. Uh, I'm hoping to, uh, uh, some doctor, hoping he will feel well enough to come on audio soon, and maybe even Mike might be able to get back on audio. But uh, we'll be going to Darth after two short clips back-to-back. Amy, listen to me. I am 907 years old. Do you understand what that means? It's been a while. No, no, no. I'm 907, and look at me. I don't get older. I just change. You get older. I don't, and this can't ever work. (laughs) No, you are sweet, Doctor, but I really wasn't suggesting anything quite so long-term. But you're human! You're Amy! You're getting married in the morning! In the morning? Doctor? It's you. It's all about you. Everything. It's about you. Hold on. Amy Pond. Mad. Impossible, Amy Pond, I don't know why, I have no idea, but quite possibly the single most important thing in the history of the universe is that I get you sorted out right now. That's what I've been trying to tell you. Come on. (laughs) Oh, I'm not too sure about that, but of course I do remember that was one very controversial scene about... uh, uh, basically, Amy jumping his bones there almost, I mean, it seemed. Um, but let me uh, crack on with a clip that definitely is from uh, uh, Amy's Choice, and then I can be told where I've gone wrong. It's dead. We're in a dead time machine. Remember... This is real. But when we wake up in the other place, remember how real this feels. It is real. I know it's real. Okay, this is a real one. Definitely this one. It's all solid. It felt solid in the TARDIS, too. You can't spot a dream while you're having it. Hello, Doctor. Hello. Hi. You're a doctor? Yeah. And unlike you, I've actually passed some exams. A doctor, not a nurse. Just like you've always dreamed. How interesting. What is? Well, your dream wife, your dream job, probably your dream baby. Maybe this is your dream. Okay, so that definitely was from Amy's choice. Uh, Darth. 
Um, yeah, just before I go into my remarks, I'll, I'll follow on something that you were just talking to Ben about there, and that is this notion that somehow Rory might have been included more as a companion because of the reception that he got. Well, that's clearly impossible because they would have had uh, the stories in the can before even one of them was transmitted. Right, right. So, and, and you can tell by the writing, too, it's too intricate. There are too many moving parts to do with Roy for it to have been an accident or to have been an, an add-on after the fact uh, for him to come back. Um, but it was but, uh, it was not made clear it was going to... I mean, to us as an audience, that was left. I mean, that was by design. Right. Uh, and, you know, that, that's sort of a part of the problem that I have with these two characters. Is I think that they've been sort of mismarketed in terms of the surprise factor. Um, you know, from the very beginning, you have this confusion over um, who the little kid is. You know? Um, and I think that we that would have worked very well, you know, if we didn't already know through publicity shots who Karen Gillan was, and that Karen Gillan is the companion, so that, you know, it, in the 11th hour when uh, Gillan hits um, the doctor with the cricket bat, if we had not known who she was, or at least not known who the character's name was, then the writing would have worked a lot better, because you're meant to believe through the writing that... Um, or to not know that, that the little girl that you see at the beginning is going to grow up to be the companion. But there's absolutely no doubt about that if you in any way, shape, or form had anything to do with the Doctor Who website, you know, with the official website. It told you from a very early stage, um, a little bit later maybe than other companions, but still months and months and months, maybe a year before you actually saw the 11th hour, you knew who Karen Gillan was. You knew what she looked like. You knew that her character was named Amy Pond. So therefore, when uh, Amelia tells you that her name is Amelia Pond, you're in no doubt whatsoever that this is the young version of Amy. So the surprise that is built into the script and that is very nice um, doesn't actually work at all. Um, and I, I think that, that, that sort of same thing happens with... Um, with Rory, because even though he dies apparently at the end of um, the Silurian two-parter, you know he must come back because he is the um, the, the fiance, and you know that the the whole series has to end with a wedding because that's how it began. So there's no mystery at all that he's going to return, and I, I think that Moffat did a really poor job uh, with preserving the mysteries that he had built into the the series, at least the first series that he did. He could have just done it so much better. All, all he had to do, you know, for a long time, I remember in the in the uh, the run-up to Series 5, uh, for a long time we didn't know what the name of the character was. And I really, to this day, don't see why he ever revealed that Karen Gillan was playing Amy Pond. There was no need to divulge that information whatsoever, and it ruined his script doing it. Um and, you know, I'm not sure – well, let me get to my broader points first, and I'll come back to what I'm talking about. Um, first of all, let's just go through the basic questions that you've asked. The first one is, you know, is it time for this 
couple to move on. Yes, and it was time a series ago. They didn't deserve a second series. Um, and I'm more than a little bit displeased that they were even in this modern, uh, the, the latest Christmas special. And I, I don't think that they deserve to be in a few more episodes next series either. I think their time is so done. Um, do I think that they have been good for the series? I, I, I guess. Um, I, I think the, the, the problem, I mean, let's put it this way. Um, if I were to say right now who I think is the the weakest of the modern companions, that is, you know, since 2005, there's no doubt that it's Amy. Absolutely, it's Amy. Um, and a part of that is, I think, some uh, acting immaturity and that has largely been overcome, it must be said, in yeah. Series 6. Um, but the girl who waited, yeah, as Tim said. Well, not just girl who waited, but I mean, I think that the, I think that she does a really good job in series six. There's not too many points where I, I think the notes are off, and you know, she's always been good at something. She's always been reacting. really good, at, well, reacting with terror, um, and that's a really important skill for a, a companion actor because you know it's their job to essentially frame the narrative threat. And she's always been really, really good at that from her very first story from, you know, the time of angels, you know, she is just fantastic at delivering a convincing scream and delivering, you know, a sense of absolute terror. She's great at that. Um, and, and maybe one of the best ever really at that particular skill. She is in a way that is completely still inexplicable to me. She is not so good with comedy. Uh, there, there are moments where she's kind of good, but the, the weird thing is her background is in sketch comedy where, I, you know, I've seen the, the Bishop show that she was on before, and she was funny in, in, in a sketch comedy kind of way. And yet there's something about her that has always bugged me when delivering comedy lines. And, you know, that is an important part of the companion's job, too. Um, so, you know, th there's this sort of, ambiguous thing that I feel about her as an actor and not ambiguous, but I guess it's um, more bifurcated. Sometimes I think she's great. Sometimes I think she's not so great. Mm -hmm. And that overall is something that I'm not used to experiencing with the modern series that her, her three major predecessors have always been delivered to me, at least always delivered consistently great performances. I know there are people who are not great fans of Freema Adjaman. I am not one of those people. I love Freema. I always thought she delivered the character that she was given very well and, and you know, was consistent throughout the, the various episodes. There's just something about Karen Gillan that, to me, is not consistent. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm happy to see her go from that particular standpoint. Um, I think the, the real problem with both of these characters is that they aren't characters in their own right. What they are is the enablers of the River Song character. They exist not to be interesting in and of themselves. They exist in order to have River Song. And in a way, that's quite good because the, the whole mystery of who River Song is and you know what exactly her deal is, I think has been... The major standout 
thing of the Moffat era. It, to me, has been handled with relatively great success. I mean, I can't imagine doing much better with that. Because um, it, 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 it really wasn't something... That there were little bits and pieces of it that you know you could predict, but the overall structure of it, I think, has been pretty well handled. The problem is, Moffat writes for boys. RTD writes for girls. What I mean by that is, um, in an RTD script, the notion of what a character is feeling is very important, and more important, really, than the plot in a lot of ways. Um, and that's why the Rose character works so well. That's also why Martha worked well for a lot of people, and, indeed, why Donna worked works well because it's all about how is that character feeling and how do those feelings interact with what is going on in the the, the larger story. Um, with Amy and Roy, the problem is there is absolutely no mystery about anything having to do with emotion, with feeling, really. Um, there, uh, We've mentioned the character of Jeff that popped up in Eleventh um, Hour, and who in that one individual episode looked like she might have been—he might have been a potential romantic rival. And the fact that that was never played with, the fact that there was never any real difficulty um, in the way of Amy marrying Roy—it's one of the real problems of Series Five, and one of the reasons I don't care that much about Roy or Amy really. Um, because there's no, I mean, they tried to do it with making the doctor a bit of, you know, kind of like a romantic triangle, and they threw mm -hmm. that notion in a little bit, but that was never, you know, that was a non-starter. We knew that was never really going anywhere. It was just a little sort of joke. Um, and, and I think, you know, when you look at how Rose is handled, you know, there's a real question. Is is this a relationship with the doctor? Are they in? Are they having a romance? How is that impacting you know her relationship with Mickey? And and that becomes an, an actual triangle that you can invest in and care about. Um, but the the Roy Amy thing is not like that at all. There's even though Roy dies and it's still which this is an incredible statement to say, but even though Rory dies, that's not a barrier to them getting married. It never feels like that's at all a jeopardy or a crisis or anything because, again, the whole point is they were always inevitably going to be married. And, and, and Moffat even tells us that in uh, Let's Kill Hitler. I mean, you see there, there is no conflict. There's no... Um, it is a foreordained thing that they are going to end up married. Rory doesn't even have to try to get her. All he has to do is run away emotionally after the subject of romance is brought up, and then it finally clicks with Amy, and then you know they are from that moment inseparably together. And it's just, I know that happens in real life. I get that that's not you know, far-fetched or that that's not a plot hole or anything like that, but it's boring. You know, there's no... There needed to have been some moment where, not just moment, but some actual uh, romantic subplot going on there for for me at least, and I think a lot of people, 
care about what happens to those two characters because that's not there because it's it's treated so casually and so diffidently you know all of a sudden something like um the girl who waited looks like an an amazing emotional event you know because finally we get some sort of declaration of why it is that Amy loves Rory and um and yet you know that's not even Moffat you know that's not even uh, really something i mean we understand that that was not even you know an a story this was like a backup story brought up to the 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 the, the finishing line at the last minute kind of as much as anything can be last minute in television these days and it, it doesn't it, it is such an afterthought i mean it's a wonderful episode but really in order for us to care about those two characters in in a meaningful way I think that that sort of information should have been layered throughout, um, you know, the season and a half that preceded it. But, you know, by the time that you get it in um, Girl Who Waited, they've really only got one more episode before they are discontinued as regular companions. And it's it's so too little too late in a lot of ways. Um, so, that I mean, that's my major real problem with them is that they are largely a plot contrivance to get River Song born. Right. The, the, the imp, uh, implied thing there is then that, uh, well, from what I'm hearing you say, is that yeah. there's, there's no growth with these characters. But I would have thought you could argue there was growth on Rory's part. Um, no. Certainly. Uh, how? Tell you, me how. Well, we get the thing where he's actually standing against the Cybermen, you know, and shall I ask the, qu- you know, shall I repeat the question? And uh, uh, the bit where he's standing guard at the Pandorica and, uh, you know, he's showing his devotion for her. And, uh, no, but when, that's not when growth. He... That's just showing well, a different side of the character that we're not allowed to see because largely before that we are looking at the relationship through the eyes of Rose, um, through Amy's eyes. Right. But there's no indication before that that he was a weakling or that he was, you know, incapable of that kind of thing. Well, it was uh, a bit of a doormat, we, we, wasn't it? It was a bit of a doormat before that. That's only well, that's only because that's what we are allowed to see. That doesn't imply right. anything. I mean, we have, uh, you know, evidence that he all. I mean, and again, this is Amy's choice, so yeah. you know, part of that is not real, but. Um, there's evidence in that, at least, that he always had ambition to go on and be a doctor. And, you know, to take that kind of stand uh, while you are actively working as a nurse, that requires some backbone. That requires some, you know, chutzpah a little bit. You're not going to be a doormat and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in Amy's Choice, in Hungry Earth, you know, which are sort of early stories with him, you do see... Um, you know, him standing up to the doctor, at least with respect to what's going on with Amy. And and even in 11th Hour, you know, it's not that he just allows her comments to sort of stand. She just is talking so fast and the doctor is talking so fast that he never really gets time to lodge a protest at what she's saying about, you know, you know her, her implication that really he's not her boyfriend, he's just a friend. Um, but you see him bristle at it. Um, so I, you know, I think, I think it's largely, I don't see any real growth in him because I don't see anything about his earlier performances, which to me suggest he's not a guy who 
has no backbone. I mean, even in look at Vampires of Venice. I mean, that's his first sort of proper thing as a um, uh, as a companion. And look at what he does there. I mean, first of all, he's not phased by going into the TARDIS. Why is that? Because he has taken the you know stance of okay, I, I've encountered these crazy things that have happened to me before, so therefore I'm going to do research. I'm not just going to say, oh, okay, well, that just happened. I'm, I'm going to actually try to figure out what happened. That's something. Um, and then, of course, he you know, has a full-on flare-up against the Doctor uh, later on in the episode. So, uh, you know, I think he's always been relatively um, backbone-enabled, much more so than Mickey. Um, at the yes, uh, same yeah, stage yeah. in development. But uh, I think we just largely see him. Uh, well, let's put it this way: the narrative point of series five um, is Amy coming to understand that she loves him unequivocally, okay. and you know that's that's a little bit of a that means that he is going to be in the background, but that doesn't mean that we're we're seeing any growth when suddenly he stands up to things. Okay, let me uh, play two clips, one from The Hungry Earth and and, co and then Cold Blood. And then if if you want to just comment uh, any more before we then go to Ian. No sugar? Ooh. Sorry? Any tea? Mum's asking. No, just white, thanks. There's only one explanation as far as I can see. What's that then? The graves eat people, devour them whole, leaving no trace. Not sure about that. They didn't steal the body from above. They couldn't have got it from the sides. Only other thing is, they get in from underneath. Not very likely, though. When you've eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Sorry? Sherlock Holmes. Got the audio book. The graves round you eat people. And then from the, the second part of that. Rory, can you hear me? I don't understand. Talk. It's really okay. We have to get him onto the TARDIS. We were on the hill. I can't die here. Don't say that. You're so beautiful. I'm sorry. And that's that's going to get Ian upset when he comes up when <laughs> Rory's just died. But there you go, Ian. Yes. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's, there's there's no secret that that uh, especially Amy is not my favourite. Um. And, and and mainly because I I guess you know coming off of of uh, Russell's era, we had an extremely strong companion. Um, extremely, I think, well written one and well acted one, and and then we just get lumbered with. Um, no, I'm not going to ask anybody to forgive me for saying this because I'm sorry, it's just my opinion. Um, an extremely shallow companion. Uh, she, she is. She's very, very shallow. Uh, that, that's the that's the opinion I get of 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 Amy. It's not badly written, just. Written as kind of a 
shallow person. I mean, she doesn't really seem to really care about an awful lot at all. Um, Rory, I like. Uh, I would have liked. I would like to see, actually, the next companion be a male along the lines of Rory, because that, to me, is how a male companion should be, is, is, is how Rory was. You know, not necessarily without the... You know, necessarily, you know, we don't need the baggage of, of having a girlfriend or whatever, but a strong male companion for the Doctor is not a bad thing when you look at it. I mean, you see the way the two of them interact in this, and and I think it's... It's about time where we ha- had a really good exploration of, of the Doctor with a male companion. Uh, it would be a neat thing to see without the you know, the girls hanging on, you know, uh, which we've never really got the chance to see before. Um, I mean, I, yeah, I do think their their time has come, and uh, you know, uh, I haven't been fond of the pond at all because of the way that the whole thing was set up. Uh, normally we have, you know, Doctor meets a companion, they get in the TARDIS, and they go and have adventures. Every now and then they come back home, touch base, and off they go again. But we've had this on-again, off-again, you know, the Doctor drops them off for a little while, and six months later then they go off again, and and it just doesn't sit comfortably with me, I guess, um, whether it's a traditionalism thing that I, you know, that... Uh, doesn't sit well with me, you know. Used to be that you know, off they go into the TARDIS. You go for adventures, and and when you left the TARDIS, you pretty much left. You know, we had Mar- uh, Martha come back for a, a couple, of, but that, and that was fun. But it wasn't a back and forth, back and forth. Well, unless you count Rose, but you know, never. It's just Rose. Um, but yeah, that's that's been my main problem is this. People people had issue with Rose having a family back on Earth that she kept going to visit. Now we have the companions, you know, going back home um, and then joining up with the Doctor. And it's just... I'm not saying it was bad. It's just it didn't sit well with me and I didn't enjoy it. It, it seemed like there wasn't this commitment, I guess, from the companions to being with the Doctor, you know. Uh, when you go, you go. You don't just like, well, well, we've got a dinner next week, and uh, then I've got an assignment to do. So, how about next June, and we'll go for a bit of a tour, and then you can come. You know, no, it's a, you go with the doctor, and then you come home, and you're, then you're done. Um, none of this kind of let's have a bit of a life as well, because uh, it's a time machine for crying out loud. Why do people need to take breaks? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I really like Rory. Uh, I've made no bones about that. Uh, because, like I said, it's it's a male companion. I think done well. Uh, you know, there's always the every time they basically introduced a, a female companion, everyone has said. And if you look back through all of the the DVDs all the way back to the beginning of the show, every time they introduce a female companion, it's like, well, she's a match for the Doctor because she's not afraid to speak up to the Doctor. And lo and behold, they end up twisting their ankle and screaming and running away. Um, but in and, and the new series, we've had more of them actually standing up to the Doctor, which has been good. But here we have a male character who 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 can do it. So it's it's not impossible you know, let's have let's have a a male companion next. You know, 
or let's let's have an alien companion for crying out loud. We can do that, you know. We can do that now. It's not impossible and doesn't have to be a a, a human with uh, a chemi. Uh but uh, yeah. I I am gl- I'm glad that their story is coming to an end. It's just been far too, I think, complicated and messy and I just don't think that Stephen created good a good character in Amy. At least not one that I enjoyed. And that's 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 my main problem. It's not somebody I enjoyed. I mean we can argue back and forth of whether it was good, bad or otherwise. Good written goodly well written. There you go. There's English for you. Well written or badly written. But at the end of the day, my opinion is just that. It's it they didn't gel well with me. I liked Rory, um, and I liked the... He showed genuine feeling for Amy, and I guess that's half of my problem, too, is that, you know, I never got that from Amy. I never got that... She really actually gave... Even in that clip that you just played, I still really believe it, you know, that that, that she absolutely loved Rory. Mm. So, yeah. Uh... I mean, it was a clip we played even prior to that. It was like, you know, the next day is your wedding day, and there she is trying to hump the doctor. Uh, which still is a, just, that whole scene just jars. It's like, we're going there. Um, so, yeah, uh, just too overly complicated. I'd like to see us get back to a more simple arrangement. You know, maybe one companion. Uh, whether they have a family at home or not is is... Besides the point, as long as we don't overdo it, um, I think Russell f- ended up finding a balance with uh, the companions going back home and and doing stuff at home. Uh, at the beginning, it was a bit, you know, oh well, we're always on Earth, but it it found its way. But yeah, uh, Did, didn't you like one of the uh, one of the wasn't there somebody you wanted to be a companion? Was it from? Um... Uh, the one where they're in the hotel. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the episode now. Um, uh, the God w. Complex. Yeah. The God Complex. Yeah, one. She was you brilliant. quite like yeah. the yeah, girl in it. that. Yeah, it was a, a dang waste. Um, she really needed to be a companion. And she she didn't screw up. I mean, I always go on, and you'll hear it plenty of times in the commentaries, uh, about Russell's need to get rid of a character who he can't use anymore, and um, it he 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 would you know dispose of these characters by writing in some kind of flaw, some kind of mistake that they would make that would make them a a, a good companion, and that's the way he dispatched them. Uh, but she was there, and she, it. It's almost a swear. Um, hey, who knows? Maybe the doctor will go back in time and find her and bring her on board because he really should. Or heck, use the use the actress. I don't care. Uh, we've done it before. <laughs> Just say, oh, it's it's her twin sister or whatever. I don't care. Um, she was really really good. It's a good character, and it just it was a shame that. You know, such a wonderful character was created for such a small piece and then just discarded and, yeah. Dang shame! 
but yeah, ponds, bye-bye, uh, won't really miss you, um, because it's time to move on. You know, we've we've done the whole rib song. We know how she got here now. Like Darth was saying, you know, that's really seems to be why they existed in the first place. Um, and even that right, yeah. doesn't doesn't sit well either. This whole like, well, really, uh, it's just overly complicated. But, you know. Yeah, Rita was it that character? Yes, I, I think Rita. Yeah, by Amara Karen or something. Um, so. So are you saying that you would have, because we are we are speculating. Well, we know that they're they're coming back, but would you have been quite happy if their story was now over? Yes, yes. When he dropped them off at the house with the car, that to me should have been story done. You know that that seemed like a natural jumping off point. You know, setting your companion up with a life, which is something that the doctor really hasn't done. Um, too terribly much for for anyone else. Uh, it seemed like this a really is not good... Perry Vale. Yeah. This is not Perry Vale. <laughs> Go on. It, it seemed to be a good good point to, to to leave it, you know. But no, we we keep coming back, and it's, it's irritating, you know. Um, to to have them maybe appear in one more episode, you know, getting involved, like like they they were the what part and he saw the, the the advertising thing that she was on it was one thing but you know yeah we just keep getting teased with them leaving and they don't and it's getting on my tits Moffat uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway I will leave it at that okay right well what, what I'll do is uh, I'm going to play two little clips uh, back to back um, uh, I'm going to play um a bit from um, oh, where has it gone? Uh, from uh, the Pandorica opens, uh, and then one more clip. Um, the seventh Doctor Jeff has decided he's not feeling too well. Thank you for staying with us in the room, but he doesn't want to come on audio. And I'll play two clips. Might give Mike a chance to make a decision, see if his audio's okay, and come on. And if not, uh, I will go on next. But this is um, from. Uh, Pandorica opens. Hello again. Hello. Have you been? Good, yeah. Good. I mean, Roman. Rory, I'm not trying to be rude, but you died. Yeah. I know. I was there. You died and then you were erased from time. You didn't just die. You were never born at all. You never existed. Erased. What, what does that mean? How can you be here? I don't know. It's kind of fuzzy. Fuzzy? Well, I died and turned into a Roman. It's very distracting. And I think uh, before I play the next one, I think that was one of the scenes that you really loved, Ian, where 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 Rory's standing stock still. Do you want to just love tell that, that line? Little... Period. <laughs> I died and became a Roman. It's very distracting. And then the, just the 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 the, the prod that I'm again. Again, Moffat instilled a lot of depth and and stuff that goes on in Rory's life, and and it makes use of it. 
at every point, but there's just nothing in Amy that's of any value. You know, uh, there's there's the point where, um, oh, I can't remember where it is. Uh, oh, Impossible Astronaut, I think it is, or, or Day of the Moon, where um, where she disappears, and you can hear her on the thing, and he's talking to her, and, and the doctor says, she can't hear you. And he says, yes, she can. She can always hear me. Mm. And, and it's lovely stuff. It's fabulous. And but. Yeah, uh, I don't know if what people say is true that they can't write for women. Um, but I, I mean, because I've seen him do it before. He did it at Jekyll. He's done. Uh, he's done a doc, uh, in Doctor Who before. It's like you, you can write lovely, strong women, and just I don't know what failed with Amy. But anyway, right. Well, Mike, let, Mike's just, on audio now, so yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, just before he comes on, and he's just checking his audio levels. I think uh, we'll play the 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 bit from Amy right at the end of that series. Uh, at the wedding. Shut up, please. There's someone missing. Someone important. Someone so, so important. Amy, what's wrong? Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. But when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend. Oh, no, not this again. The raggedy doctor. My raggedy doctor. He wasn't imaginary. He was real. Sky Drifts, we sent you I remember you. I remember! I brought the others back. I can bring you home too. Raggedy man, I remember you. And you are late for my wedding! And uh, I think that was a uh, pretty good uh, part on it. She had funny way of, uh, I think, Darth, mentioned a funny way of saying some things. Uh, some deliveries seemed a little bit strange. But, uh, uh, Mike, we're going to test your audio, and you had some comments to make about what Ian had done as well, I think, that you put in text. But how's your audio? How is my audio? Fine. Absolutely well, great. The, yeah. uh, uh, the, you the you wanted to respond. Pond, though, is... Yeah. Oh, did I? Uh, no, I was just uh, going to make the, my the, comments in general stuff... about this whole topic. Uh, you put some stuff in text about that uh, with Rory mirroring something. Oh, you know, yeah. The, the prodding. Whole, yeah, yeah. When the doctor pr- uh, pokes Rory there and uh, the Pandora opens, that the, the whole thing is mirrored there in, uh, the, in the diner at the beginning of The Impossible Astronaut when the present time doctor walks walks back in and Rory pokes the doctor. <laughs> it's just sort of the, the, the flip of that. Very nicely done there. But, yeah, just my thoughts here in general. And... Basically, to summarize my whole feelings about Amy and Rory is they're a couple. They're the, the, you can't have one without the other, and sometimes that's a good thing, but at other times that's just unfortunate because uh, because I'm a huge fan of Rory. Rory is an awesome character. I love that character. Arthur Darville is a brilliant actor, and I'm not a fan of Amy. And the, we've got this whole thing where, you know, do we want the, the pawns to continue on as companions? Well, I want Rory to stay on as a companion, but if you have one of the two, you have to have the other. They're a couple. Uh, so if you have Rory, you have to have Amy. And uh, I, Can we leave Amy behind? I want one, but not the other. And that's that's sort of where, where that goes. And it, 
it's as you were saying. It's, uh, have the doctor with a, with a male companion, and just have the two of them go on adventures. There was a part in, I believe, in in one episode where the where the doctor and and, and Rory were alone with the TARDIS, and it looked like they were about to go off on on a, on a adventure somewhere. And I was thinking, oh look, it's just the two of them. Let's just leave leave Amy behind. Uh, but yeah, that's that that's that whole thing. But so it basically comes down to you know one or the other. And something else that I've seen a lot written about concerning Amy and Rory is how they are portrayed as characters, what their goals seem to be as characters, with how and this basically goes with how Moffat is writing characters compared with how Russell T. Davies wrote his companions, Rose, Martha, and Donna, and the, the, how their fates uh, played out with Rose and Martha and Donna they traveled with the doctor and they weren't they weren't actually seeking a relationship they weren't seeking marriage or something and the way they their their adventures ended up they became something more than they could ever have been uh, you know left on their own on earth uh, it's like we see with rose she she looked into the time vortex and did all of that with the with making the Daleks disappear, gained all of that power, and she ended up in an alternate universe. Uh, we had we had Martha, who well, she pretty much just left on her uh, on her own choice, but she wasn't really seeking she, she, a relationship. Was not really her final destination uh, with her adventures with the Doctor and with Donna. We see how she became the the Doctor Donna the the. the Human Time Lord Metacrisis. So we had all of these companions who became more than just you know settling down with with a with with a spouse. And and here we have Amy and Rory, where the, their whole story seems to be marriage and and their daughter uh, Melody Pond River Song. And but so it's a lot of people are complaining that you know it's kind of a step back from the the wild adventures that we had with the companions back in the in the Davies era. And it's sort of a simplification of what they're actually trying to accomplish with, you know, with Amy and Rory being a, being a couple. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a different writer, I know, but it's it's. I it, I would like to see some uh, a, a return to you know these characters going on and becoming things that they could never have become just on Earth. And even Amy and Rory, they're going on adventures with the Doctor, and they're being a, and they're a couple. Something they could have done simply there on Earth. So that's that. Uh, but. To sort of wrap this up, basically, you know, they are companion. They are they are a couple. Should they, should their story be over? You know, I felt they're at the end of the God Complex when the Doctor took them back and dropped them off at Earth, at their house over in the UK. That their story was over. That their it was kind of an abrupt end. We were close enough to the end of the series. They could have stayed on another couple of episodes through. You know. The, the, that last, those last two episodes, but you know their, their story was kind of at an end. We had the Doctor realizing that he needed to move on, that he that he's become too involved with with their lives, and he definitely has. Look what became of their daughter, <laughs> and so basically, you know the the the, the, the Pons, the Williams, or whatever you want to call them, they were left off there on Earth, and the Doctor went off on his own, and then. I don't know the the bit at the end of the Christmas special, uh, Doctor Wood in the wardrobe. That was, uh, it was good for continuity, but I don't know. It didn't really 
like, you know, the doctor going back. It's The doctor never does that, generally. He, he leaves his companions, and he's gone. He's off. He never returns. Something about the pawns, though, that draws the doctor back. So, you know, going into, the, into this news series, I will miss them. I de will definitely miss Rory as a companion. He's one of my favorite companions ever. But Amy, I know, as I said, we can leave her behind. And it's just the whole thing with him. They're a couple. You can't have one without the other. And I would like to have Rory without Amy for once, for some adventures at least. And that's what I think about the pawns. Okay, thanks for that. And thanks for uh, getting your way on to audio. And Benjamin Elliott has had to drop off. Uh, thank you, Benjamin, for your contribution. Uh, and let me play a little clip. I'm going to jump forward because obviously I can't do a clip from every episode. This is from the, the, the opening two-part uh, Possible Astronaut Day of the Moon. And I think it's from the Day of the Moon part. Amy? I think we found the place she was taken from. How do you know? Those things have been here, but the whole place is deserted. There's just one guy here, and I think he's lost it. Repeated memory wipes fire your head eventually. Find out what you can, but don't hang around. Where are you? Gotta go. Got company. Don't worry, I've got everything about the way I found it. Uh, except this. There's always a bit left over, isn't there? <gasps> See them, but I think they're asleep. Get out. Just get out. One more time, sir. How the hell did you get into the command module? I told you, I'm on a top-secret mission for the president. Well, maybe if you just get President Nixon to assure us of that, sir, that would be swell. Oh? Now, fellas, listen. This man here, codenamed the doctor, is doing some work for me personally. Could you, uh, cut him a little slack? Uh, Mr. President, he did break into Apollo 11. Well, I'm, I'm sure he had a very good reason for that. <laughs> but I need you to release him now so he can get on with some very important work for the American people. Could you do that for me? Well, son, I am your commander-in-chief. Uh, then I guess that would be fine, Mr. President. Glad to hear it. Thank you. Bye-bye. Carry on, gentlemen. Okay. Uh, well, uh, let me go next a little bit. Um... Well, uh, I mean, I, I've grown more to like Amy than, than I did originally, and I think uh, uh, she has developed uh, more as an actress. And uh, Ian is going to actually be amazed when I say this thing. That it's, it's actually helped that she's lost a bit of weight. <laughs> and, I mean, and I mean that. And I'm not talking about a figure at all here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the fact that I found very much in the first series uh, she has this sort of very moon-shaped uh, face with virtually no lines at all, which didn't seem to me to allow her to have any uh, expression. I, I found, uh, although she was acting well, uh, there didn't seem to be an expressive face. That uh, I noticed right at the end of the Christmas one, which came on, I think it was because she was doing the role of Jean, Jean Shrimpton, that they must have told her she needed to lose a bit of weight to look like a, more like a model. Uh, but the point is, and also she's a couple of years old, three years older now, and that's when that puppy fat has gone round. I know she's not, uh, I'm not saying she was overweight as a person. I'm simply talking about the ability of her face to give 
expressiveness to to what she was doing and, and i found that that meant that whenever i saw she seemed to be literally pan-faced um with a lot of her uh, deliveries of our lines so that was it i think also she had um the uh the fact that uh, rory was played by uh arthur darville who who without doubt is a better actor and and has made perhaps for many people a, a greater impression on Doctor Who fans, but but not to say that I don't feel as though uh, that Karen Gillan. I don't. I, I mean, I th- she's certainly adequate to the part. Uh, where I think Arthur Darvel has basically driven the horse and cart through through the the the, the simple relationship of a, uh, the Doctor and a female companion. Uh, I remember us talking about was there room for a third companion even though I myself and lots of others have always wanted a male companion you know going back to having Stephen uh, before and so on Um, that's from the classic series by the way so uh, I've really enjoyed the the travel because I wasn't particularly a great Donna Noble fan although I came to like her I wasn't particularly a, um, a great Martha fan though I came to like her I was a big Rose fan and then I almost got fed up because she stayed too long and kept coming back. Uh, it, it does seem we are fickle, aren't we? You, you can't please them. I mean, uh, uh, Christopher Eccleston went after one year and I was annoyed with that. Some people stay overstay their welcome and I get annoyed with that. Uh, there is uh, nothing so fickle as a Doctor Who fan, I think. So basically, I have really enjoyed the series, and I think they've cranked up their involvement. The complication, uh, and, uh, and I really do take on board Darth's point about them really being facilitators of uh, the River Song storyline. So in one way, they've stepped backwards, certainly in Series 6 on that. Uh, but uh, I do feel as though there's been room for all of them. There's been room in all the episodes uh, with the 50-odd minute, 60-odd minute episodes for all of them to have uh, good parts. We've got some really great, you know, the um, Let's Kill Hitler one with, you know, Rory's got Hitler in a cupboard and things like that. There's some uh, so many great little lines there that um, I really have enjoyed it. But I must admit, when I came to the part where the Doctor provided them with home with a blue door and the uh, the car for Rory, I basically... Um, thought their story was over because I've tried to avoid spoilers I really was somewhat surprised to see them in the Christmas special although I suppose if I'd looked around I would have known that they were going to be in it Uh, but I really feel as though you know it's done why why bring them back now it may well I be that I will eat my words as the uh, the next series unfolds and they have another dramatic story to tell um but um, you never know with that. Let me uh, play another clip, and then I'll just think if I've got anything more to add. I think this is a clip from uh, Day of the Moon, from Series 6, of course, now. Amy? I think we found the place she was taken from. How do you know? Those things have been here, but the whole place is deserted. There's just one guy here, and I think he's lost it. Repeating. And I think I've just played that clip, haven't I? You know, you're all listening so carefully. That's the clip I've just played, isn't it? I don't know. Ah, yeah. What's the show called again? Let me move on. Let me move on to another clip. And you have to guess this one. Move along. My name is Jennifer Lucas. 
not a factory part. I had toast for my breakfast. I wrote a letter to my mum. And then you arrived. I noticed your eyes right off. Did you? Nice eyes. Kind. Where's the real Jennifer? I am Jennifer Lucas. I remember everything that happened in her entire life. Every birthday, every childhood illness. I feel everything she has ever felt and more. I'm not a monster. I am me. Did they do this to us? Help me, Rory. Yeah, another woman showing interest in Rory. And uh, you might have to just be a bit vigilant in text a minute, Ian. Uh, and I'll play another clip yeah. from the second part of that story. Uh, here we go. No, but uh, hang on. You said that the TARDIS is stuck in acid, so won't you be damaged? Nah, she's a tough old thing. Tough, old, sexy. No, tough, dependable, sexy. Come on. Okay, how can you, how can you both be real? Well, because we are. I'm the doctor. Yeah, and so am I. We both contain the knowledge of over 900 years of memory and experience. We both wear the same bow tie, which is cool, because bow ties are, and always will be. But how did the flesh read you? Because you weren't linked up to it. Well, it must have been after I examined it that a new, genuine doctor was created. Ta-da! No getting away from it. One of you was here first. Well, OK, after the flesh scanned me, I had an accident with a puddle of acid, now new shoes. A situation which does not confront me learned itself here. Satisfy Don't call me fond, please. Right, uh, and I've just really got one more. I think I'll skip some of those. I really just got one more clip to play in when we we get finished. But uh, the uh, Darth uh, has spoken quite some time ago, and it's a while since you talked. So, do you want to come back on at anything? And uh, we may well close up because although we've got a very large gathering in the room, thank you very much indeed. Quite a lot of them uh, have either had to drop off or are just listening in rather than talking. Um, I've got nothing more to say. I don't know if Darth wants to follow up on anything, but I, I, I rambled plenty, I think. Oh, yeah, I can always talk a little bit more. <laughs> the uh, A couple of things that have come up is, and I know that there are people very much like um, Mike out there who, and Ian, I guess, who, who like Rory but don't like Amy and who would like to have just Rory, and I got to say, I'm not in that camp at all. I'm done with both of them. Um, I don't really. I, I mean, I kind of get the, the the whole understated thing that Arthur Darville is trying to do, but this is not my idea of what a good companion, male companion, is. Um, I want a bloke. I want an absolutely, an absolute equal kind of. Randy guy, I want Jamie back. I want I want somebody who is 100% heterosexual. There's no question about it. I want somebody who takes the doctor out to go drinking in a pub. I, I want somebody who is straight up heterosexual because I think we've had a, a very nice range of all. An Andragorium. What's that? An oh, Andragorium. Take, take the head. Yeah. No, an Andragorium. Andragorium. Got it. Oh right. A hungryman. Hungry man, 
but I mean, I want I I I am kind of with you guys about the future and that I want a male companion, but I I just want somebody who is, um, you know, different to Jack, different to Mickey, different to. Uh, Excuse me, uh, Ian, please. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I know they're they're too damn quick, and then they just log right out. Oh, we have some trouble in the room. Uh, well, just, yeah. uh, just they wait, uh, and wait, just, and wait, and then they post, and then they duck so, out. So it's disallow guests. Yeah, I'm guess. not gonna I'm, I'm not gonna open up for any more guests if they come in. I'll let them know that. Sorry, there's too many spammers and. Oh dear. Yeah. Not good people. Not good. Sorry for not looking good. at the text chat. Later, we have a lot of control over these guys sometimes. We have a lot of guests who do come in and listen to the show and are nice and polite and sit there and, 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 and add to the show. And then there's people like this who, you know, are just idiots. Anyway, um, while I've got my voice being heard, um, what I was saying earlier about Rory, I mean, I do like Rory, um, but I'm ready for them all to go. Um, yeah. What I was saying is, is, is it's... Rory's proof that we can actually have a guy in the TARDIS and it not yeah. be, you know, it it's nothing to be afraid of. It's like why, you know, why does the new companion have to be a woman? Let's 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 have a guy, you know, and not just like Rory. I mean, because I want somebody different, um, but it, it it can be done. Let's let's go there. Let's explore, you know, having a guy in the TARDIS. That'd be fun. I, I think so, and it, it would be quite history making to have. You know, just a guy, because there there are really only two points in Doctor Who history where there's just a guy companion, and they're not even. I mean, it's not even a full story. You know, it's 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 really just the massacre, and it's really just Planet of Fire, the very beginning of Planet of Fire, really. Um, and you know, it just would be really nice to have somebody who is just completely, you know out to have a good time without any particular connections to anybody. Um, and just, again, kind of like Jamie, not, you know, Jamie redone, but something like that model would be nice to have now, now that we've explored lots of different uh, situations, you know, that we've had, you know, this, the omnisexual guy, we've had the, the, the guy who is, uh, you know, heterosexual, but, not really fully mature yet in Mickey and, you know, his growth story. And then we've had, you know, the sort of quiet, steady, sure guy in Rory, but, you know, whose existence is very much defined by the female companion that's in the story. And and that's all been interesting to have different perspectives, but we need something, I think, quite new. Um, The other thing I, I think is, sort of important to point out because most of the people who have talked today have been negative on this character is that you know these views are not necessarily representative there's another uh, podcast that I listen to with regularity the Doctor Who cast I think it's called um, which is made up of people who are exclusively new series fans and you know they've tried to go back into the old series but basically they are a new series fan and one or two of them are you know from the 11th hour that's how new their fandom is. And they are broken up, completely broken up by the announcement of the imminent departure of the Pons. And, you know, that is certainly a segment of fandom that, that needs to sort of be highlighted a little bit. Um, because for some people, you know, this is their first companion. Um, and even if it's not their first companion, for some people, these are the best companions. Um, and 
you know, more power to them. That's not how I feel about it, and apparently not how anybody else here necessarily feels about it. Uh, actually, no, that is, I don't think there's anybody in this room that would say that Amy and Rory are their favorite companions. Um, even Tim, I think, would say, yes, I like them, but I don't know if I could put them at the top of the chain. Um, but, but there definitely are um, opposing viewpoints, and Apparently they do play very well to people who have just started watching the show, and that's that's good. Um, but I am uh, <clears throat> quite happy to see them go. And I, I, I got to say, I don't really understand why they were in series six, unless it was something contractual. Unless you know Amy Pond or Karen Gillan got a two season contract to start with. Or maybe even a three. I don't know. I don't narratively. I don't think that there has been enough story to go past the Christmas special that she was in, because that would have been the point at which she could have said, "Okay, they had they had sex in the TARDIS, and they therefore had, you know, River Song, and that's where this is basically ended." I mean, that's they're they're used to Doctor Who. Um, so I I would. I'm somebody who would argue not only is it time for them to go, but it was time a long time ago. That, that, that basically Moffat, despite his other talents, despite the fact that he he's written, you know, clearly some of the best episodes of Doctor Who, that basically he screwed the pooch on these. And, and narratively, I just I, I don't think that he's given these characters any kind of life that has, you know, made them deserving of the amount of time that they've gotten in Doctor Who. And I, I very much look on these these two guys or this period as the sort of Joe Grant period of the old series. You know, Joe Grant was around for a long time, but she was basically, you know, a companion who treaded water between, you know, the brilliance that was Lou Shaw and the brilliance that was uh, Sarah Jane. Um, but she's basically an inconsequential but unbearably long respite between two great companions. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, of course, that you know who comes after is going to be a great companion. And I think that they will be. And I also think, even though I don't like the amount of time that we've spent on these two characters, that I will go out on a limb and predict that Moffat will find a satisfying way to wrap them up. He, that there is a point to them coming back for a little bit, and you know when that we are in a sense assessing these characters a little bit prematurely. Yeah, and, and I think for anybody listening, uh, they they need to differentiate between the actors and actors actresses and the characters. Where uh, I'm certainly talking about the fact that. Uh, Although I'm not, I wasn't that fed up with them. I'm quite happy with all that they've done up to now. I just feel as though their story has come to, uh, you know, uh, a level which now it's to move on. I suppose one of the things you always have as well with companions, if you have a companion who, and I've said this before in the past, if the, I, I like companions that are there along for the ride. So their backstory, their you know secret hidden there, the fact that they were a cuckoo planted in the nest or something, I don't particularly like that because once that's been revealed at the end of a season, in theory, then then they're done. 
Whereas if they're actually in there as a companion because they're resourceful or a good foil for the Doctor, then there's no reason why they can't stay one, two, three or four or five seasons if, if, if it's not to do... But you can't always have the companion. You're the most important person in the universe. And unfortunately, we had Rose the most important universe, person in the universe. I think we had Martha the most important universe in the universe because she saved the world and then we had Donna the most important person in the universe uh, you know uh, so I, I don't really want an important um, companion I want a companion who fits with the current doctor and elevates that relationship into you know uh, a real bonus for the show uh, I think that's my overall and probably final thought actually um uh, and if 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 that's your final thought uh say so darth and uh, and maybe Ian might want to wrap up i'll just come back on what you just said because i i think i quite disagree with you um okay uh, i think that the brilliance of the rtd years is that each one of the companions um had a finite story to tell that you know when you when you look at Mar- when you look at rose there's a beginning there's an end. There's an impact on the doctor. You know, she changes. You know, she she literally helps to form the character of the tenth doctor. And, and uh, she you know, mended him. Yes, she well, mended yes, him from the ninth. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 you know, there's I'll a heartbreaking. That. There's a heartbreaking ending that separates them. Um, and with Martha, you know, there is a, a, a young woman who is looking, who isn't particularly looking to go on any kind of adventure, who doesn't need the doctor for self fulfillment. But she does fall in love with him and then comes to the conclusion that, you know what, she doesn't need the doctor in her life. And if the doctor isn't going to be with her in the t- on the terms that she wants to offer, then she's going to leave because she needs to progress with her own life, uh, which is a very strong statement. It's one of the things I've always loved about that character. And then Donna, you know, there is this, this heartbreaking, circular thing of, you know, she goes through the, the whole time of of traveling with the doctor and grows and matures and then just gets reset back to the way that she was and it's it's just you know you, you have to cry whatever you think about journeys in the last 10 minutes has got to just oh, got you oh um, absolutely you know and the, the the problem with amy and rory is there is a narrative clearly you know that there's sort of a beginning and we, we think that there will be an end whatever and there they have a a, a narrative function but it's just not an interesting story because there's no again there's no internal conflict in that story um and and you don't really get the sense that amy and roy have a particularly big impact on the doctor i mean that's one of the things about this the scene at the end of the christmas special you know why are they so special that he has to come back to them on Christmas Day, even though he doesn't do that traditionally through, you know, the past two or three regenerations, he doesn't do that. Why are they so special that he has to go back to them? We're never really give it a reason, uh, you know. Why, why do we? Care? Why does he care about um, Amy and Rory? We can we can see why he cares about the the previous three companions, but I, for the life of me, don't see, you know, why are they so special that he has to protect them by dropping them off prematurely. What's the what's the right. real motivation about that? Why them and not you know Katarina or Adric, you know who who deserve you know who really needed to be saved and and to stop traveling with the doctor and yet they, you know they died because of it. 
why why does he care so much about it? I, I, who knows why it doesn't there's no narrative explanation and so i think moffat's problem is not you know that he's tried to create a story around a doc, around a companion once that story is over then those companions leave the problem is the story that he's tried to construct is interesting only to the extent that it produces river who's a fascinating character and isn't particularly interesting in its particulars with regard to those two characters. A weird, weird writing thing. It's very odd. They are, they are really not characters. They are ciphers who are, you know, again, there to tell the real story that Moffat is actually interested in. Okay, but that, that in actual fact is the last clip I've got to play, so let me play that and then Ian can wrap us up. And if you haven't seen the uh, Chris, latest Christmas special, you may not want to listen to the next one minute 10 seconds or so. Besides more carol singers, I have a war pistol. You don't want to be all wet on a night like this. Not absolutely sure. How long? Two years. Okay. Fair point. So, you're not dead. And a happy new year. River told us. Well, of course she did. She's a good girl. Well, I'm not going to hug first. Nor am I. Christmas dinner. Joining us? If it's no trouble. There's a place there for you. But you didn't know I was coming. Why would you set me a place? Oh, because we always do. It's Christmas, you moron. Okay, and it just reminded me there, when when he says, he has he has learnt to ask her how long, because if you remember, all the way back at the beginning, when he first invites her to, to come and travel in the TARDIS with him, and he turns up with that suit that he'd stolen from the, uh, from the, the, the hospital or whatever, uh, she said all that stuff about spaceships, all that, that, it happened two years ago. So there's a quite nice mirror image to that uh, in that special. Alrighty. Uh, any more for any more? Oh, no, no, it's just that. I don't, I don't know if no. the doctor's feeling any better and wants to maybe say anything, Joe? Anything? No? All right, uh, for those guests who are still hanging in there, hopefully you're actually here listening to the show, which we appreciate. We've had some guests who wander in here wanting to just spout all kinds of spam, and we don't appreciate it, which is unfortunately why you've been prevented from chatting. Um, so, yeah. Sorry about that. People ruin it for everyone else, I guess. Yes. All right, Dave, I think we've, uh, we've uh, drowned the ponds. Yeah, just to remind people for next week, uh, currently, as we speak now here in the UK, the third episode of Series 2, the fi- third and final episode of Sherlock is airing. So next Sunday, we will be reviewing Sherlock Series 2, only three episodes, of course. Uh, they're virtually three TV-length movies. 
and that's uh, our topic for next week. And just in case, because you haven't been able to catch all the Charlotte ones, you, you might skip that one. And I know Ian's got commitment, so he will yeah. be unable to join us next week. Uh, in two weeks, then, just to remind you that we'll see, Series 4 of Merlin has just ended in the UK, so we'll be talking about Series 4 of Merlin. And the Seventh Doctor has replied, not feeling up to chatting. Well, um, sorry about that, but thank you for staying with us through the whole of the show. And uh, to Cathy, uh, sorry, uh, I hope your paint's dried by now. We've just done you about two hours, ten minutes. Uh, Cathy, for those listening, is uh, decorated. said, do a nice long one because uh, uh, I'm listening to your podcast as I paint and decorate the house. I mean, I know, I know. Uh, watching Amy Pond is as interesting as watching paint dry. Ow! <laughs> Ooh. There. Yes, so the 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 length of this is 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 uh, basically uh, just shows you how popular they really were. Ooh. I'm terrible. Oh, yeah, I'm Get out of here! Get out of here! All right, that about wraps it up for that about wraps it up for us. As I said, join us next week when we talk about Sherlock. Until then, I'd like to say thank you for everyone who's joined us, uh, including the guests who didn't spam the room: uh, Dar Skeptical, uh, Randall Thor, Cybob, the Seventh Doctor is still hanging out with us. Benjamin Emily, it was here earlier. So it was Tim Jury. Uh, oh, who else have I forgotten? Uh, Logan. Logan was here and uh, got a fish. Got a fish was uh, new to the room today. Uh, hope to see you again next week. Claude, and, uh, Claude and Clark Carte Blanche as well. So yes, uh, that that I think covers everyone. So until next week, it's goodbye from Mr. Dave A. C. And it's goodbye from Ian, the Sixth Doctor. Goodbye, everybody. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.